what do you think success is? Is success having a mansion with golden curtains? Is success being able to drive the latest sports car? Is it fame and being loved and admired by millions? Or maybe it's the sense of satisfaction of accomplishing a great task, like climbing a mountain. And to the world, many, if not most of the things that I just said, or what they would say is being successful. And the textbook definition of success, according to Google, who has all the answers, is the accomplishment of an aim and purpose or as achieving desired aims and attaining prosperity. Success is difficult and hard to come by. People can spend their entire lives working towards that, toward this goal. And you can sometimes feel overwhelmed or pressured to be successful. And it can be especially hard to be successful in a task when the person before you did such a great job. Does that not sometimes happen to us? Do we not sometimes enter a new job and people say, oh, the last guy was really good? Or maybe we're leading a new company and we're the new boss and people are saying, well, we really like this last boss. So feel this pressure of doing as good or even better as the guy before you. Or maybe you're a teacher and your students are, your students are new and they say, well, we liked our old teacher. And so you have, to be, you have to win their hearts. But success can be especially hard and especially full of pressure when the guy who was your boss before you was Moses. And you just inherited the ginormous task of leading an entire nation of people into the promised land. The man that I'm talking about who felt all this stress of success was, of course, Joshua. And I can only imagine this fear, the anxiety, the stress that Joshua must have felt to succeed. And not only to succeed, but to be as great or even greater as a leader as Moses. Because Moses was a great leader. And on top of that, you have to be, uh, you have to live up to this guy who literally parted the Red Sea. You also have to go into a land where it says that the people there, it says this about the people who were in the promised land, people who they would have to go and conquer. They there they saw the giants, and we were like grasshoppers in our own sight, and so we were in their sight. The pressure's on. The stress is there. I have to live up to my former mentor and I have to go into a country where the people are so large, so powerful, that we are mere insects compared to them. But God knows this. God knows the pressure that Joshua must be feeling. He knows the stress that he must be going through. But God is on his side. And in our everyday vocabulary, we sometimes say a phrase, and I don't doubt the sincerity behind it. I don't doubt that, and I don't doubt the care that people put into this, this phrase. But sometimes we say good luck. When someone's about to start a job or a task, they say, good luck to you. And yeah, 
that's great. But what do we mean? When we say good luck, though, what does that mean? You see, luck isn't a biblical concept because luck is pure random chance that we, that, that we hope will fall in our favor. And can you imagine at this moment, Joshua is worried. He's about to go conquer this land. He has to lead all these people. He has to live up to Moses. And the only thing God says to him is, hey, Joshua, good luck out there. Can you imagine if that was, Joshua would have been out of his mind. Or he would have gotten lazy and would have waited for a chance to happen. Well, maybe if we go down there, a big boulder will come and run them over. But Joshua had success. Because while luck may not be a biblical concept, success is. And success is a biblical concept because it's something you need to strive and you need to work for. And it's not something that you wait upon to happen. You work for success. And that's what I'd like to talk to you about today. How we can be a biblical success by following the advice that God gave Joshua as he's about to start the most important task of his life. This is all that Joshua will live for for the rest of it, is to lead these people into the promised land and conquer it. And our text for today will be Joshua 1, beginning in verse 5. Joshua 1, beginning in verse 5. And while you're turning that, I would like to welcome you to West Main Church of Christ. It's certainly glad to see you guys come here for round two of our services today. Thank you for coming to listen to me and to be an encouragement to me and also to you. And I hope that this sermon today, as we study about success, can be encouraging to both of us. As the Bible says, iron sharpens iron. So a friend sharpens a friend. I hope that you can be as an encouragement to me as I hope I am being just a little bit to you. So let's read our text, Joshua 1, beginning in verse 5. Joshua 1, beginning in verse 5. This is what God is telling to Joshua. No man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will not leave you nor forsake you. Be strong and of good courage. For to this people you shall divide as an inheritance the land which I swore to their fathers to give them. Only be strong and very courageous, that you may observe to do according to all the law which Moses my servant commanded you. Do not turn it, do not turn from it to the right hand or to the left, that you may prosper wherever you go. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate in it day and night, that you may observe to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. Have I not commanded you, be strong and of good courage, do not be afraid, do not be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Notice what God tells him here, and then you will have success. So what are the five things that God is telling Joshua that he needs or he needs to do in order to have success? Well, the first thing that God tells Joshua that he needs in order to have success is to be strong. The first thing that God tells Joshua is to be strong. And God is strong even when man is not strong. Because God is always strong. And it says in Joshua 6.15, But it came to pass on the seventh day that they rose early with the dawning of the day and marched, marched around the city seven times in the same manner. So what was going on here? Why were they marching around the city? Well, this was the city of Jericho. This was the big one. This was the one they were going to start off with. So God tells them to march around the city seven times. Now, God could have easily told them, 
I will empower you, and I will magically make swords appear so you can go into the city and slaughter everyone. But instead, God tells Joshua, march around the city seven times. Why would God do this? Why would God want to make Joshua march around seven times? Well, it's to show that real strength and true strength comes from God, not from man. And so if Joshua were to run into that city and conquer it with his own might and his own strength, destroying the walls, he would think and his, the people would think that, oh, this is our doing. No, but by, r- by walking around the city seven times and blowing those horns, they saw God's power happen. Because we can choose to trust our own strength, wealth, or personal moral character. But all of those will fail in time. We need to trust in God and have him as our strength, and we will overcome great tasks through him. Because God is stronger than any material possession that you may have. Some people may rely on their money. They may say, well, if I ever get sick, I have enough money to pay for the health insurance. Or, if I if I get lost, well, I have a great GPS on my phone. But God is stronger than material things, and we can sometimes put too much effort into, too much emphasis on the material. It says in Psalm 27, some trust in chariots and some in horses, but we will remember the name of the Lord our God. Some trust in chariots and some in horses. Do you remember all the times in Kings when you have staggering odds, you have gigantic armies. It says in one part in Kings that the the Ethiopian army was a million men and they stood against the people of Israel. And they still fell because they trusted in the material. They trusted in their own strength. But God is stronger than that. And each time, he was able to overcome that. Because God is always there to help. 2 Kings 6, beginning in verse 16. 2 Kings 6, 16. So what's going on right here in the context of this is that Sennacherib, has has the, has Hezekiah surrounded. In fact, if you go to the Oriental Museum in Chicago, it has an inscription about, and Sennacherib talks about what he did. He says he pent up Hezekiah like a bird in a cage. That's how surrounded the people were at this moment. He had this great siege over the capital city of Jerusalem. But look what Elisha says. So he answered, do not fear, For those who are with us are more than those who are with them. And Elisha prayed and said, Lord, I pray, open his eyes that he may see. Then the Lord opened the eyes of the young man, and he saw, and behold, the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. And ultimately, it only took one angel to destroy everyone. Sennacher doesn't talk about that in in his inscriptions. God is always there to help. He was there at that moment to make a change. Now, let's shift our focus from Joshua a little bit farther in time to the time of Judges. And let's talk about Samson. Now, who was Samson? Samson was this great judge, very strong man. He had this long hair that supposedly gave him his strength. But what happened was 
this woman, Delilah, cut it off, and then he was chained, he was blinded, and he was forced, and he was put on at the uh, Philistines' temple as a, as a mockery. Let's talk about where Samson's true strength came from. It says in Judges 16, if you'll turn there with me, Judges 16, beginning in verse 28. Judges 16, beginning in verse 28. It says, Then Samson called to the Lord, saying, O Lord God, remember me, I pray. Strengthen me. I pray just this once. O God, that I may with one blow take vengeance on the Philistines for my two eyes. And Samson took hold of the two middle pillars which supported the temple, and he braced himself against them, one in his right and the other on his left. Then Samson said, Let me die with the Philistines. And he pushed with all his might, and the temple fell on the lords and all the people who were in it. So the dead that he killed at his death were more than he had killed in his life. Samson prayed to God, and he depended on him, and he became strong in the Lord. And it says here that the people that Samson killed with this final act of faith were more than he had ever killed his entire life. Samson once killed a thousand men with the jawbone of a mule. And here, his final act of faith, he killed more men than that. Because you see, we can choose to trust our own strength, our own wealth, or we can even choose to trust our own personal moral character. We can say, you know what, I'm a good person. I don't need God. But all of those will fail in time. You need to trust in God and have him be your strength and overcome through him. Well, how can you be strong? How can you be strong like Samson was, like Joshua was? What if you're at a restaurant or a business meeting and your coworkers say, well, come here, have a beer with us. Does it not take personal moral strength to say no? What if you're a coworker and you need to and you need to pray? Does it and you're with a coworker and they're glorifying sin, does it not take strength not to to say no to that? And what about when you have a big headache and you're all worried about your bills or your debt? When was the last time that you prayed and you asked God for, for help through that? And you can go and you can complain to your friends about what you're going through. But did it ever occur to you to find your strength to overcome these things through the scripture? Because Samson finally became successful when he realized that it wasn't his hair, it wasn't his muscles, it wasn't some vow that made him strong. It was when he realized that ultimately his strength came from God and God only that he became strong. Psalm 28 and verse 7, it says, The Lord is my strength and my shield. My heart trusts in him, and he helps me. My heart leaps for joy, and with my song I praise him. Because you see, if we are strong in the Lord and we have God as our strength, then we can be of good courage. That's the second thing that God tells Joshua to be, be of good courage. So why should we be of good courage? 
nearly every time that God tells someone in the Bible not to fear, not to be, to be a good courage, he gives them a reason why. And nine times out of ten, that reason why is because God is on his side. Look in Numbers with Joshua. This is, this is Joshua, and this is, this is how he is courageous at this moment. It says in Numbers 14, if you will turn there with me, Numbers 14, beginning in verse 6. But Joshua, the son of Nun, and Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, who were among those who had spied out the land, tore their clothes. And they spoke to all the congregation of the children of Israel, saying, The land we pass through to spy out is an exceedingly good land. If the Lord delights in us, then he will bring us into this land and give it to us, a land which flows with milk and honey. Only do not rebel against the Lord, nor fear the people of the land, for they are our bread. Their protection has departed from them, and the Lord is with us. Do not fear them. Twelve spies were sent out into the land. Ten of those spies said that we couldn't do it. Only two were courageous enough to know that their strength was ultimately on, that God was on their side. That's where their strength would come from. And because they knew that, because they knew that God was on their side, they would be courageous to do the right thing, to do what God had commanded to them. And we see in the Bible often other times where people have strength and they are reassured because God has told them that they will be, he will be with them. In Genesis 21:17, when Hagar was afraid for her life in Ishmael's, when she was out in the wilderness, God tells her, an angel tells her, Fear not, for, the God, for God has heard the voice of the boy where he is. And God promises the Israelites in Isaiah 41:14, Fear not, you worm Jacob, you men of Israel, I will help you, says the Lord and your Redeemer, the Holy One of Israel. In each of these incidents, we see that God is commanding courage because God is guiding and protecting us. And we can have that courage and confidence in him. Or think of Mary. When she was afraid, she was going to have this child. And this angel appears before her. But the angel says to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And if you look at the myths of Caleb and Joshua, they were surrounded by people who said, no, we can't do this. We can't go in there. It's an impossible task, but they were courageous. And maybe it's, and we need to be as courageous and stand up for our beliefs in a world that will glorify sin, and we need to stand up and say, no, I am not because I am on God's side. What about, a co I remember a teacher telling me that one time he was at a board meeting and the, pres and the, pr and the head of that board, of the te education board, said that he was going to get married to a man. And everyone stood up and clapped and cheered at this, except for him. He stood there, he sat, and he didn't say a word. Did that not take courage to stand up for something that he knew was wrong? Could it have been as easy for him to fear, well, if I don't go along, I'm going to get fired? Did it not take courage to do that? Did it not take courage for Caleb and Joshua to say, no, we can do this great thing, even if they possibly feared stonings or executions? They knew that God was on their side, and they were courageous uh, for that. And maybe it's in high school or schools 
when you see all this drugs and alcohol or fornication going along, or even in college, and everyone around you saying, come on, participate in this. But do we need to be courageous in those times and say, no, I will not do this? Because if you trust God that he is your strength, you will be courageous and you're able to withstand such temptations. So we need to be strong. We need to be courageous. The third thing we need to be is we need to observe to do according to all the law. And it says in Joshua 8, beginning in verse 30. Joshua 8, beginning in verse 30. Now Joshua built an altar to the Lord of God of Israel in Mount Ebal, as Moses, the servant of the Lord, had commanded the children of Israel, as it is written in the book of the law of Moses, an altar of whole stones, of which no man has yielded an iron tool. And they offered on it burnt offerings to the Lord and sacrificed peace offerings. And later on in that same verse, it says in Joshua, and beginning in verse 34, and afterward he read all the words of the law, the blessings and the cursings according to all that is written in the book of the law. There was not a word of all that which Moses had commanded, which Joshua did not read before all the assembly of Israel, with the women, the little ones, and the strangers who were living among them. Joshua found it vitally important that all the law would be done, that everything that Moses had commanded would be fulfilled, would be obeyed by the people. That's why he reads that loud. He builds this altar. And notice how it says, not a word which Moses had commanded that Joshua did not read. Observe to do according to all the law, the law of Christ, of course. Because he was focused on the word of God, and he made sure that he did everything that was there. Because ignorance is not an excuse. And, and it is not enough to read the scriptures. It was not enough that Joshua read out loud. He also did what Moses told them to do. Because it is, it is not enough to just read. We also have to act. And James tells us this in James 2, beginning in verse 14. James says, What does it profit, my brethren, if someone says he has faith but does not have works? Can faith save him? If a brother or a sister is naked and destitute of daily food, and one of you says to them, Depart in peace, be warmed and filled, but you do not give them the things which are needed for the body, what does it profit? Thus also, faith by itself does not have works, is dead. But someone will say, you have faith and I have works. Show me your faith without your works, and I will show you my faith by my works. Reading the scriptures is very important. And we need to be doing this on a daily basis, reading what the word of God says. But it's not simply enough to just read it, but we also have to do it. Because if you're not reading what the word, if you're just reading the word of God, but not doing what God says, well, then you're like a kid building a Lego, and you only read the instruction manual. You're going to miss out on what's really important if you're not actually building it. The same thing with us. If we're not doing what the word of God says, then we're missing out. Fourth, the book of the law shall not depart your mouth. Joshua 22, verse 5. But take careful heed to do the commandment and the law which Moses, 
for the servant of the Lord commanded you, to love the Lord your God, to walk in all his ways, to keep his commandments, to hold fast to him, and to serve him with all your heart and with all your soul. Here Joshua is telling this to the people of Israel. Take careful heed to do the commandment and the law which Moses, the servant of the Lord, had commanded you. And we just read earlier how Joshua was reading from the law of Moses and how he was constantly focused on the word of God, what God wanted for his people, and to meditate in that. Because God, remember in the beginning, God told Joshua to meditate on it day and night. And Paul says this to us in Philippians 4, beginning in verse 18. For finally, brethren, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are made of good report, if there is any virtue and if there is any pra anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things. The things which you learned and received and heard and saw in me, these do, and the God of peace will be with you. We constantly need to be reading the word of God, meditating on it, seeing what God really wants us to do. It says in Psalm 119, verse 11, your word I have hidden in my heart that I may not sin against you. Focusing on the word of God, making sure that what God wants is proclaimed in our lives. What about in Psalm 145, beginning verse 1? I will extol you, my God, O King, and I will bless your name forever and ever. Every day I will bless you, and I will praise your name forever and ever. Great is the Lord, and greatly to be praised, and his greatness is unsearchable. One generation may praise your works to another, and shall declare your mighty acts. I will meditate on the glorious splendor of your majesty and your wondrous works. Men shall speak of the, mighty, the might of your awesome acts, and I will declare your greatness. They shall utter the memory of your great goodness and shall sing of your righteousness. Because biblical success means setting the word of God and finding a way to apply it in our lives in every possible instance. And maybe sometimes it's the person who is sitting next to you at the airport on an airplane, finding an opportunity to preach to them, to, to meditate on the word with them. Maybe it's a coworker that you need to find, that you need to ask, hey, would you like to come to church with me? Find an opportunity to speak the word of God. Because your vast knowledge of Bible, of the Bible, will take you nowhere if you do not proclaim the word, and if you do not are constantly speaking out the word and uttering it. The book of the law shall not depart your mouth. Maybe we need to be more proactive in talking to people about the Bible, talking to our friends and family who are not believers. Maybe we need to invite more people to services. Maybe if you see someone with reading a Bible at a coffee shop, maybe it's going up to them and asking them, hey, what are you studying about? Do you mind if I sit down and talk to you about that? Who knows, you might have an opportunity to save someone right then and there. But it's not just limited to outside evangelism. In our daily conversation, if something happens, are we giving Bible analogies? Oh, this what happened right here. This is exactly what we read about in Genesis, about God starting things right. Or maybe chil or to our children, maybe, we're maybe they ask a question about something, about, how, about their friends being mean to them. 
and they're asking them, well, should I be mean to them back? Are we gearing their conversation back to the Bible and saying, well, what does Jesus say about that? Turning the other cheek. We have great opportunities to teach the Bible in our daily lives, and we don't even think about it. But it's finding every opportunity and every chance to proclaim the word of God and to spread it. And lastly and fifth, do not be afraid or dismayed. You can become dismayed about the amount of sin that you witness across the world. And sometimes we can be disappointed in ourselves because we give again and again into some sin that we're having struggles with. Or maybe it's because we have a prayer that remains unanswered. I'd like to focus on Psalm 3. And the title of Psalm 3 explains that it was written when David was trying to flee from his own son Absalom, who wanted him dead. One commentator calls this psalm the dark hour, because such was bleak was the hope that David had at this moment. Such was the sadness that he found in it. And in this psalm, David is asking for victory and deliverance from an event that seems dark, and all hope of escape is lost. And David is surrounded by his enemies. But read with me the psalm and see how David transforms himself throughout it. It says in Psalm 3, beginning in verse 1, Lord, how they have increased who trouble me. Many are they who rise up against me. Many are they who say of me, there is no help from him in God. Here he has hopelessness. and He's calling out to God. But look what he says in verse 3. He recognizes God's power. But you, O Lord, are a shield for me, my glory, and the one who lifts up my head. I cried to the Lord with my voice, and he heard me from his holy hill. I lay down and slept. I awoke, for the Lord sustained me. I will not be afraid of ten thousands who have set themselves against me. I lay down and slept, and the Lord sustained me. And lastly, he calls out to the Lord in verse 7. Arise, O Lord, save me, O my God, for you have struck all my enemies on the cheekbone. You have broken the teeth of the ungodly. Salvation belongs to the Lord. Your blessing is upon your people. David did not despair in his time of need. He had this anxiety. He had this stress. He told it to God. But as the psalm progresses, we see how he's acknowledging God's power, how he's seeing how powerful God is. And he's not being afraid. He's not being dismayed because he knows that God is in control that God is his strength and that he will be full of courage. And ultimately, David was successful in his task and he was able to regain the throne. Because we all wish to be successful, just like David. And it's good to work and to prosper. It's good to work with your hands. But we can also feel the stress and the pressure of that in our lives. And we can even feel the more stress and even more pressure when we want to succeed spiritually. And, but we do not need to rely on random chance to be successful because the world relies on luck. You don't rely on luck. We rely on God. Rely on him because Joshua prevailed because he relied on God. He prevailed because he was strong and, and of good courage. He observed to do everything according to the law. The law never departed his mouth, always finding the chance to speak and utter it into the people of Israel. 
and he was not, and he did not have fear, or he was not dismayed in his own dark hour, when everyone else around him said that they could not do this great thing. But he stood up and his friend Caleb and said, yes, we can, because the Lord is on our side. And we can be like Joshua. And if we are, God will be encouraging us along the way to be successful. And lastly, as Joshua is about to pass into his reward, he tells this to the people in Joshua 24. Now, therefore, fear the Lord, serve him in sincerity and in truth, and put away the gods of your fathers served on the other side of the river and in Egypt. Serve the Lord, and if it seems evil to you to serve the Lord, choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve, whether the gods which your fathers served that were on the other side of the river, or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Did Joshua live a successful life? I think he did. I think he did because he followed what God told him in the very beginning. Do not be discouraged. Be strong and courageous. Meditate on the law. Do not let it depart on your mouth. Joshua was successful because he followed God's example. And you can also be successful by following what God Joshua is telling us, what Joshua told the Israelites. Choose this day whom you will serve. Choose the Lord. Maybe you're a Christian and you've been living a life that you're not supposed to. Choose this day whom you will serve. Choose the Lord. And if you choose the Lord to follow, you will be successful. Or maybe you're not a Christian but you know that you want to be successful. You know that you need, to, you need to be a Christian. Choose this day to follow God. And he will sustain you. He will strengthen you. He will give you power. The song that we're going to sing is Jesus is Calling. And Jesus is calling every single one of us today to come into his glory, to be his children, to be with him in heaven someday. Jesus is calling us. And if we answer that call, we will be successful. Please come forward as we stand and sing. Why from the sunshine of love wilt thou roam?